This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. For our teaching time today, we are going to go back and look at the epistle written by Peter, 2 Peter 1, 16 through 21. Now, back in 1980, there was a group of people in South Korea, and they were believing because they had a preacher there that was telling them that the rapture was going to be on this specific date in 1980. So these people trusted this guy, and they went and they sold all of their property, everything they had, now, that sounds really spiritual, right? You know, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. But what they did was they went up on the top of this mountain and waited for the rapture. Well, guess what? It didn't happen. Now, we know that back in 2011, there was this radio preacher who swore up and down that the rapture was going to be on May 21st, 2011. And May 21st came and went, and then they had to cover their tracks, so they said, well, it was a spiritual rapture, and the real thing is going to happen on October the 21st. Well, October 21st came around, and nothing happened. Now, a year later, a lot of people were saying that the end of the world is coming in December of 2012. Because one of the Mayan calendars ended on that day. So they said that was the, that's the end of time. Nothing's going to happen after that. It's done. Well, December 24th, 2012 came. And guess what? We're still here. How this relates is that Peter starts out by saying, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the rapture and the removal of the saints and the judgment day and the return of Christ are not fables. They are true because Jesus said they are. But he told us something very interesting along with that. What did he also say? Nobody knows. And not only that, in Acts chapter 1, he said to his own apostles, it's not for you to know the time or the days. So guess what? If you have somebody out there prophesying that the rapture is going to come and the end is going to come, say, on February 20th, 2023. That's tomorrow, by the way. If you have somebody say that to you, they're full of organic waste matter. Because Jesus said, nobody's going to know, and it's not for us to know. That would be another cleverly devised fable, because it's a fable in this sense that somebody's actually put an actual date to it. It's still true, it's going to happen sometime. And that's all we need to know. But Peter goes on to say, we didn't follow these fables, because we were I witnesses of his majesty and that's the reason for the 
lectionary readings for today in Exodus where you see Moses going up on the mountain and then our gospel passage which was the transfigurations. Peter, James, and John were on that mountain with Jesus and they saw him. Now, here's an interesting thought. Why, if Jesus commanded them not to tell anybody, why did he take three people with him? It's because in the Jewish law, a story can only be verified by two or three witnesses. So Jesus actually fulfilled scripture by taking those three guys with him up there so they could see it. Now, Peter, God bless him, said, Master, it's great we're here. Let me build three tents, one for Elijah and one for Moses and one for you. Let's take a look about the fact that we were eyewitnesses. In verses 12 through 15, Peter uses the first person pronoun. But in verses 16 and 18, he shifts to the plural we. He is bringing in here the testimony of the apostles, in particular, Peter, James, and John, who were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, where they saw his majesty and glory. Now in verse 18, we ourselves is emphatic. The plural pronouns make it clear that this was not a subjective vision or dream that Peter experienced by himself. Rather, it was an actual experience that Peter, James, and John all saw and heard. So there were three witnesses to this. And Peter explicitly denies that they were making up or following cleverly devised tales, as we've already talked about. In that day, as in every age, there were religious charlatans who made a nice living by claiming to have some new revelation that would help their followers get whatever they wanted. Like the guru in Sedona, Arizona, who recently came into the public eye when three of his followers died in a sweat lodge ceremony, these false teachers invariably charge a substantial fee for their services, and often they use their followers for various means of gratification. They lure people by promising them such as freedom from their problems and wealth and all these other things. Now, the Greek word translated tales here, or fables, is the word that we from which we get our English word myths as used in the Greek culture or the Roman culture. These stories were not literally true and not only that, the Greeks and the Romans knew those stories weren't true. They knew they were myths, but they believed them anyway or followed along with them anyway. Now, they might have been fables or stories with a moral lesson, like, you know, like Aesop's fables or something, but they were still fables. Now Peter, for his part, they were all up there, and Peter tells us in another passage, it's interesting that he leaves out this part in his letter, but they heard the Father say about Jesus, listen to him or hear him. Now, in Luke 9, 28-36, it says exactly that. This is my beloved son. Hear him. 
Why is this important? It's because Peter had just said, Master, it's great that we're here. Let me build three tents, one for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. What was the problem with that? It was because Peter, in that instance, was equating Jesus, Elijah, and Moses on an equal level. So let's build one tent for you, one tent for you, and one tent for you. And the other thing I've always wondered about this passage is since they didn't have you know, Instagram and video recordings and all that stuff back then, how Peter, James, and John, and Peter in particular, knew that that was Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. It was by divine revelation. And so that's where we need to be about the part of trying to seek the will of God and the knowledge of the Lord because they had, since there were no paintings or photographs of these guys, they had no knowledge of what they looked like. But when they appeared, they knew who they were. And that was by divine revelation. So it is important for all of us here in this sanctuary today to be about the business of seeking the Lord's will and seeking to know God's will for us. And we need to get into the Word to do that. You always knew I was going to put in a plug for Bible reading in here somewhere. And so we need to get into the Word so we can know the will of God and not be led astray. Now, Peter, again, you know, puts his foot in his mouth and says, let's do this and let's do that and whatever. And so the words from heaven, as David Guzik writes about this, were important because Jesus had just told his disciples that he would have to be crucified and his followers would also have to take up their cross and follow him. His disciples needed this word of assurance to keep their confidence in Jesus and needed to hear that Jesus was still well-pleasing to the Father, even though he said he would be crucified. So being crucified was not punishment. It was a part of the plan. It was a part of the whole scheduled pre-planned event. And so the disciples needed to know that Jesus was still okay. Now, it was also a rebuke to Peter because Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus because they represented those caught up to God. And not only that, they represented the law, Moses, and the prophets, Elijah. And so here we have a vivid illustration of Jesus being the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Okay? We move on now to, let's see, verses 19 through 21. In verse 19, it says, So we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So what we have here is the fact that the Bible, the word of God, has been confirmed for us. But what we also need to remember is that from the Life Application Commentary, they tell us that confidence in the reliability of the prophetic word should lead to a firm adherence to its teaching. Consequently, Peter urges his readers to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. The comparison of God's word to a light is common in Scripture. One of the more famous instances being Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. In the darkness of this present, present world, God's word casts light on his purposes 
and plans and so enables believers to live as those who are in the day, who are living in the form of the light. Now we continue that knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, R.C. Sproul says about this, that being said, I do not think that Peter was off the mark here. If we look at the statement in context, it is not the interpretation of the Bible, but the authority of the Bible that Peter is talking about. He's saying that prophecy, that is the declaration of the word of God, did not arise out of private insight or the judgment of human beings. And he immediately says, for prophecy never came by the will of man. And that's another thing we need to remember in light of our stories at the beginning here. If you see any human being trying to add something to Scripture or trying to juice it up so to make it, quote, more interesting or more entertaining or whatever, you have to know that person is also full of that same aforementioned matter. Because Scripture is inspired by the Lord, and this is what we can believe, and we can basically stake our life on it. Now, all of this is to say that we can have the confidence to know that the Bible is true. And the reason is because, simply put, if you want to know and have an understanding on what's going on in the world now, if you want to know what the will of God for you is, or just plainly if you want to know the will of God, get into the Word of God and read it because you can believe it. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.